Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reimbold, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. Series that we're doing on learning to live in the miraculous, and I want you to uh, to turn with me in Second Kings, the fourth chapter. Anyway, that's where we're gonna we're gonna start uh, tonight. Uh, I think it's imperative that uh, that we talk just a moment about the fact that. The miraculous, as we began to look at in the last meeting, is a place where we again 
are created as spirit. All right? And we live in a body. And that body and our five senses gives us all the problems that we're ever going to have on this earth. Our spirit, once we have received the Lord God, becomes and will enter back into eternity with Him. All right? And I know we all know that. But the key, again, is to understand and to realize that we are capable of working and living in the miraculous. We're capable of that. As I said, the problems that we have and the problem that I see that that, that the church has and will continue to have is that there's not enough people that they know that actually live in the miraculous in order for them to be able to draw from now, you know, it's like I said, I think I said Tuesday, in fact, I know I said Tuesday. You don't go down to the driver's license bureau and get yourself a driver's license without you can prove that you, you can drive the car. And the way that you get do that is you just simply practice. Well, working and living in the miraculous is a matter of practice. And I know when we left last week, I, or last meeting, I said the thing to start doing is you've got to start in small ways. You've got to start believing God in small ways for miraculous things. And when you get that to the, the place where you can practice that and get to the place where you understand. Now, and I'm going to tell you something, I, and what I want you to do is I want you to keep me posted because we're going to use you as the lab uh, test, if you will, for this whole thing, all right? In other words, we're going to, the way I'm going to be able to produce this across this nation, and I'm going to, in a, in a great big way, and we're going to do this, because without the miraculous, you ain't going to make it, okay? And I know that it's a prophet. I know that, bless God, that I'm going to make it. The reason I know I'm going to make it is because I live there right now. And I understand, I understand 30 years of, of working uh, in, that, in that place of the miraculous, and I never thought, and I honestly never thought, that I'd ever come to the place. In 30 years, I've never taught this. In 30 years, I've never really touched this. Because I knew that it was so far beyond the realm of the church that there was no reason to embarrass myself or the church to even bring the subject up. And, and, and yet today, I stand before you knowing that, again, it's going to take the miraculous in order for us to survive in these days that lie ahead. Can we do it? Absolutely we can. Will we do it? We have to. The reason is, as I've said over and over again, brothers and sisters, we're all that God has. There isn't anybody else. We're it. We're not going to wait. We're not waiting on John and Paul. We're not waiting on, on, on Peter. The fact of it is, we're it. We are that entity which the Lord God, <clears throat> if you will, predestined, and that scares a lot of the church, that we would live at this time and this hour. God chose us to do that. Amen? I forgot to turn my clock on, but I better get it now. There we go. Now, if you found the fourth chapter of Second Kings. Now, I, the thing that I love about uh, the Old Testament is they lived there. You know, they lived in the miraculous. They, 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 you, you, don't, you don't get into this thing. Did they fear those prophets? You bet they feared those prophets. And you know why they feared them? Because they didn't know where they were going to bring fire down on them. They didn't know where the she-bears were going to come out of the woods. They didn't know what was going to happen. But they knew one thing. When they were around the real prophets of God, that the miraculous was there and the miraculous did work. Fourth chapter, starting in the first verse. <clears throat> Well, I told all of you to get there, and I'm still looking. Now there cried a certain woman of the wise of the sons of the prophets unto Elijah, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Now notice he asked her a question like, He knew what he could do. What can I do? Tell me. What hast thou in thy house? Second question. And she said, Thy handmaiden hath not excuse me, anything in the house save a pot of oil. Now that said that's all we got. Then said he, Go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. Now there's the key. He said, Get a bunch of them. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. 
So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a, a, yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Now, was that miraculous? Well, of course it was miraculous. How, how, does that, how does that work? He says, What have you got? Now, notice, what, notice, and this is important, that God uses what you have. That's important, all right? And, and that's probably one of the things you want to make sure that you mark and keep marked not only in your, in your hearts but in your minds and even on paper, that God will use what you have. What do you have? She said, well, you know, I've got, I've got one pot of oil. He said, okay, we'll, we'll use the oil thing. Now, notice again that the prophet Elisha did not say, thus saith the Lord God. He did not say that. He said, you go out and get all the vessels that you can get, bring them in, shut the door for you and your son, and start pouring oil out of that one vessel into those other vessels. And, and, and bless God, she did. They all filled up. And when it was over, when it was over, she went out and told him, and he said, now go pay the debt and live, thou and thy children, of the rest. In other words, you got enough there. After you pay your debt, you're going to have left over. Now, why do you suppose that the prophet of God did that for this woman? Because he's the prophet of God. You know, I say over and over and again, travel this nation, the thing about prophets you've got to understand, it's like a two-edged sword. One side of that sword will bless you, and the other side of it will curse you. It just depends on how you, uh, how you, how you approach the prophet. And it, it depends. You know, I've told people for years, you come to me with the right attitude and the right heart, you can talk to me all day long. You come to me with the wrong spirit, and I'll rip your head off, and bless God, I will absolutely uh, uh, tell you how the hog ate the cabbage so quick as your eyebrows will jump up and down. Now, why is that so? It's because it is a matter of the attitude of the heart. And that's what it is. With, with a prophet, it's entirely that. You come, you come after me, I'm going to come after you. That's just the way it works. And bless God, you say, well, wait a minute, where's the love of, of Jesus at? Well, the love of Jesus works within, Yeshua, within us to such a degree that, bless God, that we want the best for the people, not individuals trying to do what? Trying to, you know, people come to me and say, well, I, I want to prove this to be wrong. I'm going to prove that to be wrong. You know what I tell them? You can never prove anything to be wrong to me. I said, I'm going to tell you something. I have visitations by angels. God wants me to know something. God will send an angel to me. And if I'm wrong, bless God, that correction, I'd rather somebody come and correct me than have God send an angel to do it. I'll guarantee you I would, because I don't like that at all when that happens. It's not any fun. It isn't, as a matter of fact, oh, well, now, Tommy boy, you're doing fine, except that. No, it's not that at all. It comes down to that thing you and I was talking about. It comes down to fearing God. It comes down to that angel saying to me, Son, God's not happy with the way you're doing things, and you better understand the same God that's blessing you can be the same God to make it look like you're walking in a curse. And then he leaves. Now, I think that gets across pretty well, doesn't it? I don't have. A, I didn't have a problem understanding that. Did you? And and yet people and and people say, well, you 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 mean you're not correctable? Oh, I didn't say that at all. That wasn't at all what I'm saying. I'm saying that bless God that when God wants me corrected, you don't have to come to do that. God will get around to correcting me. Now He may down do it the same day that you'd like to see it done, but He will get around to doing that with me. Now. What's the difference in it? The difference is, is the fact that if you can come to me in all humility, and that's what the Bible teaches, isn't it? If you can come to me in all humility, then that's one thing. But if you come to correct me so you can say, well, I so showed the world that he was wrong, then that's the wrong heart. Then that's not humility. So like I tell people, you know the best thing to do with the prophet is to leave them alone. Leave us alone. God will take care of it. Bless God if we're wrong. Believe you me. We'll get ours. We'll get ours on that day. And everybody can be whatever that is after that happens. The prophet here decided that this woman was in trouble. And he decided that he was going to help her out. And he helped her out. He caused a miracle to come. Who had ever heard such a thing? Can you imagine what this woman told to her neighbors and her friends? Well, Elijah the prophet stopped by. 
I had no money, and, and, and bless God, my sons were going to be taken from me to pay the debt, and bless God, he did this thing with the oil. Now look at us, when we got money left over, we're living like kings. Now, folks, that's the type of thing that we're about to enter into here in, the, in this world that we live in today. That there are going to be miraculous stories that are going to come out of these things, of people saying things that, bless God, that the church knows not, the world knows not. Let's go on 32. This chapter is full of some real good stuff. Uh, 32, and we're going to go down through 37, okay? And when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead. Now, we're not going to go through this whole, this whole scenario here, but anyway, this uh, Shumanite uh, woman, um, she went to look him up, all right? And, lay, uh, and, and, and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain, and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up, and lay upon the child, and put his mouth upon his mouth, and his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands, and he stretched himself on the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. What was that? That was the anointing of God running out of, out of Elijah, running out of him, and running into that child. Now, how do I know that? I know that because of the experiences that I go through uh, when, when, in the healing lines. Uh, when I was in Phoenix, I don't know how many people said, Oh, I feel it getting warm. I feel it getting warm. I can feel it relaxing. And I, if it's their back or whatever, and all of a sudden there comes a miracle. All right? The same type of thing here when he, was, he waxed warm. The anointing ran out of Elisha. And it entered into that boy. Then he turned and walked in the house to and fro, and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. The ch- and and uh, you don't need the rest, rest of that. Uh, they bowed down and thought that he was no doubt uh, God himself. Actually, they thought that he was, in fact, the prophet. Now, did he raise that young uh, lad from the dead? Of course he did. When I say he did, I mean the Spirit of the Lord God did. All right? But God used him. He was present. Now, the next thing you need to understand about miracles, you have to stay available. Okay? You have to be available. You can't just, well, uh, you know, I, I still say, Lord, God, send somebody else to prophesy that. Send somebody else to do that. I remember back in, uh, I hadn't, I, had I started ministering? Yeah, I had just started ministering. And I, there was a fellow that lived about a mile north of my house on a gravel road, and he was kind of a character. In fact, he was, a, he was an alcoholic. And, and he would come by my house, and, and he would say, I don't even know why I'm stopping here, but I just want to, I want to talk to you. And, and so I'd say, well, his name's Joe. I said, Joe, come sit down. We talked. One day, about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the ambulance went around the corner, and I thought, oh, my I wonder, because Joe lived in a house next to his dad's home, and they'd lived there for years, and I thought, well, his dad wasn't very well, and I thought maybe his dad was sick. So I never, ever go out and chase ambulances. I just never have done that, or fire trucks, or police cars. And But I thought, I better, I ought to go up there. And so I got in the car, and I drove up there, and when I got up there, I saw Joe's pickup truck turned over in the middle of that gravel road, blocking the road. Well, I pulled over, I got out of the pickup truck, and I walked up there, and I said, what's going on? And one of the neighbors came up and said, oh, Tom, it's, 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 it's terrible. said, uh, Joe got, uh, ran, got drunk, and he ran up on the side of the ditch bank, and, and the truck rolled over, but it threw him out of the truck and then rolled on top of him. I said, oh, my. I said, uh, what, what, what do you think about it? And, and one of the ambulance uh, people there, and, and he just shook his head, and he said, there's no way that he's going to live. said, he, he's still alive. He's unconscious. So I walked around in front of the truck, and, and across that gravel road stood his father, his mother, his wife, two or three of the neighbors, and they're all standing here across like this looking here at this, this pickup truck that's laying on top of their son and, and our neighbor. And I looked at them, and they said hi to me, and I looked at them, and I said, what are they waiting on? And said, well, they're waiting on the, the wrecker to come to hoist the truck up and to take him out from under the truck. And I said to, to his, uh, his, his father, I said, uh, is, uh, is, uh, uh, has he been conscious? And he said, no, he's not come conscious. And I stood there. I said I'd started ministering. Let me back up. No, I had not started ministering yet because I remember what the rest of all this is. 
And I looked at them, and they looked at me, and I got nervous. And when I get nervous, I pace. You can always tell when I'm nervous. I'm pacing. So I'm pacing around, pacing around, pacing around. And so finally, now listen how dumb this is. I finally look at all of them, put my hands up in there and said, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to pray. And if you want to pray with me, that'll be all right. If you don't want to pray with me, that's fine, but I'm going to pray. I got down on the gravel on the hands and knees, and I laid my hands on this, on this, uh, this uh, neighbor, and I began to pray. And I got done praying, and I commanded him to be all right. I commanded, bless God, the spirit of life to stay in him, in, 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 in Yeshua's name. And when I got done, I said, Joe, it's going to be all right. You're going to live. I said, Joe, it's going to be all right. You're going to live. And about that time, Joe opens his eyes. And there he was, and so I got back up, and they, uh, the, the director truck had come, and they lifted him up, up from the truck, and, and Joe grabbed me by the hand, and he said, Thank you, Tom. And I, they took him in the ambulance, and they took him to town. Now, Joe's wife is a nurse, all right? And so they got him to town, and we didn't hear anything else. They went to the hospital. We didn't hear anything else. Now, the reason I remembered I wasn't preaching, I was still a boilermaker. I was still welding over to power plant. So the next day, I went to work, and Joe's father was a plumber or a, um, a pipe fitter. They call them pipe fitters out in the construction job, not plumbers, but they're really plumbers. And so anyway, so I decided I was welding, and I decided I need to see uh, see his if his dad's on the job, you know, because I no one had called. I didn't I didn't hear anything. So I got I got out of the hole that I was welding in, and I went down through the area asking about his dad. And said, "Oh, he's such and such." So I got over there, and 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 I came up to him, and I said, I looked at him, I said, "How's Joe?" And I figured, well, he wouldn't if he died or he wouldn't, he wouldn't be there. So I said, "How's Joe?" And he looked at me, he said, "Oh, you know, you know." And I said, "No, I'm sorry, I don't know." I said, "How's Joe?" He said, "You mean no one called?" And I said, "No, no, no one called." He said. Come sit down here with me for a minute. So I sat down, and he said this to me. He said, you know, everybody thought that was really crazy, you doing what you did up there in that gravel road. I said, oh. Yeah, well, yeah, but he said, listen how it turned out. He said, they took him to town, and when they got him to town, they discovered that he had, he had uh, broken ribs, broken back, and that he had, no doubt, lung, both the lungs were punctured. They gave his wife the, the, the uh, x-rays, put him in an ambulance, and the last thing the doctor said to his wife, he won't make it to Evansville, but we have to try. And he said somewhere between the hospital and Evansville, Indiana, and I'm not sure which hospital, yes I am, it was, uh, was Deaconess, uh, he said somewhere between there and there, he said, God gave him that miracle that you were talking to him about when you were praying. I said, oh. He said, yeah, when, he got, when they got there, he walked out of the ambulance. He got up and walked out. And, and, and he got out, and they said, where's the guy with the broken back, with the lungs punctured, the broken ribs? And Joe said, oh, he said, that was me, but he said, God healed me. And that doctor said, oh, well, he said, we'll determine that. So they took him in, and they x-rayed him. And, and bless God, they, they even called a technician. They thought that the x-ray machine was broke, and they re-x-rayed him. They even went upstairs and got somebody else that had been x-rayed, brought them back and x-rayed them, and sure enough, that guy had exactly what was still wrong with him, but Joe didn't have anything. Joe spent three days in that hospital trying to, con trying to convince those people that he was not, had them broken back, didn't have punctured lungs, and his ribs weren't broken. So finally, so, I, so anyway, after his dad told me that, I went home. And the phone rang that evening, and it was Joe. And Joe said, said Tom, could you, would you come down here to Evansville and explain to these people what happened to me? And I said, well, how's that, Joe? And he said, well, because he said, they're still trying to run tests. And he said, Tom, they're, uh, there's not. He said, God, give me a miracle. He said, I know. He said, I know that he gave me a miracle because he said, I got, I got out of that ambulance and walked in. And I said, well, all right. I said, I'll come down there. I said, I don't know what good I can do, but I'll come down there. So I drove down there, and I went in the hospital. And sure enough, they brought the, brought the, had the doctor in there. And, and I just told the doctor, I said, well, you know, I prayed. I believe God's a healer, and God healed him. God gave him, gave him uh, the, the miracle that sustained him. And, and that doctor looked at me, and he said, he looked at Joe, and he said, you better thank this man 
that he was available. He was available. And you know that stuck with me all these years. It stuck with me because you see, miracles and availability is what it's all about. It's about being there at that time, at that place, when that miracle is needed. You know, Oral Roberts used to, used to have a saying, a miracle is about to happen today. Your miracle is about to happen today. And the fact of it is, we don't look at that that way because we don't see miracles take place that often or that much. But anyway, while I was there, uh, there, was a, there was a man that was, uh, uh, had something wrong with him in the bed next to Joe. And so we sat there and we talked about it, and I, I told Joe, I, I said, well, I had to leave. So I said, I said goodbye, and I started to go out of the room. And that guy, he said, uh, ah. he said, excuse me. And I said, yeah. He said, uh, uh, you know, I listen to every bit of that. He said, I, I'm, I'm not a churchgoer, but he said, I believe every word you said. And he said, you know, preacher, if you just come over and pray for me, I just believe I'll be healed too. Then I said, well, that's fine enough. So I walked over and I prayed for him. And uh, the next day, Joe came back home, and, and he called me, and he said, Oh, by the way, he said, that man was in the bed next to me. That evening, he got up and went home. God healed him. And I said, Well, praise God. But you see, it's being available. When you make, when you make the miracle available, did Elisha know he had a miracle in him? You bet Elisha knew he had a miracle in him. And that's what you and I have got to begin to believe. We have to believe and understand, yes, I have a miracle inside of me waiting to be given to somebody else. You have the miracle in you. Why do you have the miracle in you? Because the Spirit of God Himself is in you. And if the Spirit of God is in you, then the capabilities and the possibilities are limitless as to what God can and will do in you. Now, let's go back to what I said, I've said, I think, in each one of these uh, the tapes that I've done so far. With God, all things are possible. If thou can but believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So what we're down to is not believing that you can do anything, but believing that the God that is on the inside of us, the spirit that we were created in, in the image of him being us, is more than capable of producing any miracle at any time and at any hour. You and I have to become miracle-minded. We have to begin to look for the possibilities of a miracle that's about to take place and, and know that, bless God, that I have a miracle to give. And if you will begin to believe that of yourself, you will begin to take the step into the miraculous of believing I have a miracle to give. Now, I didn't tell you that you had a miracle to get. I'm telling you, you have a miracle to give. And if you learn to give the miracle that you have, then when you need, there will be somebody there that will be able to give you the miracle that they have. And then you see it all balances out and it all happens in the right way. Somebody say amen. Amen and amen. Let's see, I, I was going to try to... Um, uh, the 38th verse. Now, Elisha, I, I love this old boy. I mean, he was at 38. And Elisha came uh, again unto Gilgal. And there was, a, there was a girth in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot and seek pottage for the sons of the prophet. And one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine, gathered thereof wild gourds, his lap full, and came and shred them into the pot of the porridge, for they knew them not. So they poured out, of the, out for the men to eat, and it came to pass, as they were eating of the pottage, that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death, there meaning poison, in the pot, and they could not eat thereof. But he said, Then bring meal. And he cast it into the pot, and he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat, and there was no harm in the pot. Another miracle? Absolutely another miracle. Now, how, how come he could just throw some meal into that pot and it worked? I'm going to tell you something. He could have spit in that pot and it would have worked. And that's the thing, again, that we have no, we, we have no problem of being able to say, I, I know, <coughs> excuse me, I know for years, People have watched me, and I know for years that I'd see people come in wheelchairs, people come in with, with, uh, with uh, braces on their bodies, come in with, with well, using crutches. 
And I know for years and years God would say, you tell that one that they're going to go home whole, that I'm, I'm going to give them a miracle. Now, that is the same type of talk that they did in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It is saying, you see, the thing that destroys, and, and one of the things that we're getting ready to do here in the last, of, uh, last part of January is to have a, a, a seminar on, on fasting and on uh, uh, spiritual warfare. You have to understand, you've got to break the powers of darkness back, figuratively speaking, in order for you to win what's about to be accomplished for God. In other words, the powers of darkness don't know whether you're winning or uh, they're winning or losing until you tell them. All right? And so when you begin to say, and they bring somebody in this room that's in a wheelchair, that's been in a wheelchair for 15, 20, 30 years, whatever it's been, and you say, listen to what thus saith the mouth of God. God would say unto thee this night that thou shalt push the wheelchair back out of this building and load it yourself into the back of your car that you came in because he's about to give you a miracle. Now, what does that do? Well, it serves notice and it drives the, the powers of darkness right up the wall because the powers of darkness don't know what to think. They get real nervous. And when darkness gets nervous, they get acting real stupid. Not that they're very smart anyway, but they get acting real stupid. And once you, once you put them in a position, see, I serve them warning. Now we're about to find out whose God is whose God and what God is doing what, when, where, and how. And I've had to do that. You know, I, I think you heard me talk about when I was in Madagascar and, and the crowd there was well over eight or 9,000 people. And there I was on the, up on that big stage and was getting ready to start the thing. And Lord God said, before you minister, he said, I want you to, to, to call out a woman that's there with a little girl that's eight or nine years old. I think that was the right age. I might have forgotten the age. And tell them to bring her, tell that woman to bring her up there that she's both deaf and dumb. She was born that way from her mother's womb. And if her mother bring her up there, that I'm going to open up her ears and loose her tongue right here and right now before this starts. He said, I want to build the faith of the people. Now again, what, what am I doing? I'm about to give a miracle to somebody. All right? And I, I've done this so many years that it's not a matter of, oh, I hope it works. It's just a matter of let's get them up here, get it over with, and get on to the next whatever it is, because God's got something He's wanting to do here. So that, so I, I put this call out. Now, in a crowd that big, it took a while. It must have taken five, five minutes when you're standing in front of a crowd of that many people. It might as well be an hour. And so there I stood, and anyway, finally, here come the woman with the child, brought, brought the child up on the stage. Through the interpreter, I said, now be sure that this woman understands, and be sure that this child was born from her womb, both deaf and dumb. And so when he got finished, he said, yeah, prophet, he said, that's exactly what it was. Laid hands on her, commanded her to be whole, commanded that, that her tongue be loose, commanded that her ears receive the miracle that I was about to give unto her, all right? And she heard and she spoke, and the first word she said in their language in Madagascar was Jesus. Now, that again is a miracle that has been given to somebody, by somebody. All right, now ultimately it's God. Now don't, don't, don't get all strung out here and say, well, now he thinks, no, no, I know better than to know. I know from whence it comes. Elisha knew from whence it comes. Elijah knew from whence it comes. And I pray that you know from whence it comes. The key is to understand that there's a miracle there. You say, well, yeah, but they were anointed. Now, wait, wait a minute. Now, 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 prophet, they were anointed of God. Yes, and so are you. And that's what the church is going to have to identify themselves as. Why can I say that? I'll tell you why I can say that. For Yeshua said, All that I have done ye shall do, and even greater work shall you do. That proves the fact that the miracle is there waiting. That you have within He wouldn't have told them. What made them any different? What made those disciples any different than me and you? Not a thing except they had Yeshua and the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the Rahakodesh of which you have that's in this room here tonight. Not a bit different. That they're on the, they were on the same ground that we were on. Yes, I realize there's different anointings, and I realize that, bless God, there's different levels and degrees of those anointings. 
But I also realize something else, that, bless God, that, that we are entering into a time when we, as the body of Christ, the body, body of believers on this earth, are going to have to enter into these miracles if, in fact, we're going to make what God wants to be a glorious and overcoming and powerful entity, calling ourselves the church, if need be, on the face of this earth. We're going to have to do that. Let's go to Second Kings verse. Um, yeah, Second Kings 5, 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy place shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was, Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and, and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. In other words, it just wasn't the way he wanted it done. And he he hauled around about the whole thing. And finally, a servant said that, you know, that uh, uh, he said, My father, the 13th verse, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Then he decided to go down to Jordan to do what the prophet told him to do. And guess what? The miracle came, didn't it? The miracle came. Now, you know, uh, again, uh, and, I, and I love these things because, again, it was just, it, it seems like that we're reading here about one miracle after another miracle, another miracle after another miracle, but it doesn't tell us how many, how many days, how many years was in between the last one that we read about, do we? And, and you know, I often tell people, you've you got to understand something. You're reading about a whole lifetime of a man here, and this man Elisha, and this man Elijah, that was Samuel. The whole lifetime is written down here. It isn't that what happened. And I, the scary thing that I've always seen with most of the church is, bless God, if most of the church were to start writing down the things that they believe that God is saying to them or doing to them, it would take a book bigger than this, this book right here that we call the Bible to hold all the stuff that we believe that God's told us. And yet these were the greatest prophets that ever walked the face of this earth, written down so that we could, we could you know, be admonished by the things that they did and, and, be, and be glorify God that the God does that. Now, we walk in a time and an age when not only do we read this, now it's imperative that we see ourselves in those positions. You have to see yourself into that position. Now, let me go back and again talk about what I did last, the last time we were together. It's just little things. The little things, the little things. Now, I know with Elisha, it looked like he started out with a big thing, and I guess we could say he did. When he took the mantle that fell from Elijah, smacked the Jordan River and screamed, Where is the God of Elijah? And the, and the, and the Jordan opened up and he walked across on dry, dry land. Now, that was a beginning. Everything has to have a beginning. You need to enter into that place of beginning, and, and like I said, I you know I tell stories. I, one time I, I was uh, I was got into archery when I was uh, when I was before I was actually saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, and I become quite proficient at that. Uh, uh, and we went to uh, national bow shoots, and I'd come home with trophies, and and I loved to do all these things. And then I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And then I got to showing up less and less at the bow range and more and more in church, all right? And, and so one of the fellows asked me to come out to the bow range and show him something. And so I went out there and I took a, I took a three or four of my arrows and my bow and I shot and it went through the, 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 the target and it went back into an area where it was just like they called it the black hole. It didn't seem like anybody could ever find arrows because there was a lot of deep grass and you just couldn't find it. And the guy said, well, you just lost your arrow there, Deckard. And I said, no, I didn't. He said, ah, yeah, well, he said, nobody ever finds them back there. He said, now, you know, you may go back there, but you, you won't find it, not in all that. And because weeds were head high, I said, yeah, I will. He said, well, what makes you think so far? Sure. I said, God knows exactly where that arrow's at. He looked at me and he said, what? I said, no, no, God knows exactly where that arrow's at. And I said, I said, I'm going to prove this to you. I said, I'm going to walk back there. Now, folks, I just, you know, you get, you get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, you can get silly real quick, right? And maybe I got silly, but I'm going to tell you something. I knew I was right. And I walked back there, and I said, watch this. I walked back there, and I said, now, Lord, I said, when I get close to that arrow, let the anointing come on me. I'd experienced anointing. 
when I, when I went to bed every night, and that before I go to sleep, I'd pray, and I could feel the anointing of God come in, come in and run down the top of my head right out the bottom of my feet, and then go back and do it again. And I'd think I was dying, but boy, it felt good to die like that, you know? And I'd just lay there, and that was going on, and I thought, oh my, I can't stand any more of this. And so I said, Lord, when I get out there, and before I step on that arrow, I said, let that anointing thing come, thing come upon me. And I said, then I'm going to know. So I walked back there, and I walked kind of slow, and I thought, well, I don't think it went this far. Now, listen, your face is trying to get in this. I didn't think it went quite this far. And, and I thought, oh, I wonder where that anointing's at. You know, and all of a sudden, the anointing came. I looked down, and there was the arrow. I reached down and picked up. I said, here's my arrow. That guy looked at me, and he said, well, I'll be. He said, I've never seen anything like that. He said, what church do you go to to learn that? And I said, well, I didn't learn that in church. I said, that, that's just something I read in the Bible. And I said, you know what? My Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. Isn't that what our Bible says? That what he has done for one, he's willing and will do for all. And I said that. One time I went mushroom hunting with a guy. And we walked and we walked and we walked. Didn't find a mushroom. Didn't find the first mushroom in the world. And, and, and he said to me, he said, boy, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, you know, you do all this stuff and God tells you all this stuff. He said, it looks like God tells you where the mushrooms are at. I looked at him. I said, has it come to this? He said, come to what? I said, prayer. He said, I guess it has. He said, you know, Brother Deckard, he said... He said, God knows them mushrooms. I said, yeah, he does. And I said, we're about to find them. He said, are you serious? And I said, I'm dead serious. I said, you watch this. I said, God, you know where these mushrooms are at. You created them. You put them out here. And we're out here looking, looking for them like they're, they're, they're great secrets somewhere. And you know exactly where they're at. Now, I'm standing in a valley. And there's a ridge going this way, this way, this way, this way, and this way. And I said, Lord God, I'm going to turn around in circles. And when the anointing comes on me, I'm going to stop, and that's the ridge I'm going to go on. And I said, that's the ridge that's going to have any mushrooms on it. And that old boy looked at me, and he said, Deckard, he said, if you do this, nobody's ever going to believe it. I said, I don't care if anybody believes it or not. I'm going to have some mushrooms to eat, and that's all that's important. So I started turning around real slow, and the anointing come on me, and I said, they're up that way. He said, there's never mushrooms up there. He said, I've hunted that all my life, and there's never been them. I said, I'm going to tell you something. You can go that way. I'm going to go that way, but I'm going to have to have your sack. Because there's more mushrooms up there than my sack will hold, and we're going to need two sacks to fill up what's up there. And that guy looked at me, and he said, well, I'm going to go with you, Deckard. But he, but he said, I, I, I know we're not going to find mushrooms up there. I said, well, come on. We walked up there, and we found two grocery sacks full of mushrooms, big grocery sacks full. We come down off that thing, and he said, do you realize how much money you're worth? I said, how's that? And he said, you know, if I could take you to the racetrack, you could tell me what horse was going to win. He said, we'd make all kind of money, wouldn't we? And I said, no, I'm afraid that doesn't work that way. He said, I've never seen anything like this. And he said, nobody will ever believe, ever believe what it is that we saw and what we did this day. And I said, it really makes no difference, does it? Because I said, we know that God knows. Now, let me, let, me, let me tell you what that's all about. Is that practicing? I don't know. But it worked, didn't it? Because what, what was it? it? We had a need. See, where there's a need, there's a miracle waiting to happen. And there again, and it may seem, it may seem silly to you. I'm going to tell you something. I've had people call me and, and tell me that their car was pronounced dead. Have you ever had a car pronounced dead where they just said they're better off to push it to the junkyard because it's not worth fixing? It's broke. It's not going to start. It's not going to do this. I've gone and poured oil on the engines. I've laid hands, my hands, on, on engines and prayed and start them up and they fire up and run. I have done it. I've had, used to have to do that with an old car I had. I had more prayer in that old car than, bless God, most people ever have in their prayer life. I had to win that car. It wouldn't go without prayer. And, I mean, you didn't pray, it didn't go. Somebody get in that car, drive it, it wasn't prayed up, they, they never, never get back. The fact of it was, it took prayer to make. It's all part of making yourself come into a, to the, the God kind of life. And you want to know something? That's what this really is. This is living the God kind of life. This is living the kind of life that God meant for all mankind to live. After the fall in the garden, God had to do something. And what God did, He did this. He gave us the ability. He gave us the ability. You know, when, when, when Yeshua left, He said, I give you the power and the authority of My name. And he said, whatsoever you shall demand in My name, you're going to have. He said also something else. He said, but I'm going to give you the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost. And, and he said, I'm going to send him back to earth. And he's going to guide and he's going to teach you into all truth. 
and he will give, bring power, and you will be empowered from upon high. Now, are those not great indications to us, and yes, they are, that, bless God, that we are more than a bunch of down-and-out, sick, broken believers? Isn't that indication in itself that there is more taking place than we're able to reach out here and grasp onto? And I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's a lot of people believe just what I just said. There's a lot of people in the church world that believe every word of what I just said, but they are still down and out, sick, broke, and, and everything else, and they have no idea how to activate the miracle that's on the inside of them. They don't have the foggiest idea how to activate that miracle, how to cause that miracle to come a full turn and begin to operate for them. Now, when you, begin, when you begin to see God do something, what does that do? It gives you faith. It gives you absolute hope in the fact of saying, hey, God will use me. And after all, aren't we all at that point? You know, I can't tell you through the years how many people have come up to me and said, oh, you know, prophet, if, I, if God would just let me work in some way, in the way, the way that God lets you, I said, he will. I said, he can. If you can but believe, if you can believe that you are a child of God, you're not the back end of the donkey, you're the front end, bless God. You're, you're, you are exactly, God made you perfectly. He caused you and put His power of His Spirit on the inside of you and the authority of His name. You can't go wrong being who we are with God. Except we don't know who we are, most of us. Amen? We just don't know who we are. In the sixth uh, chapter of Second Kings, and we've got a few more of these. I want to try to get out of, out of the Old Testament here tonight uh, so we can start uh, uh, maybe at least next meeting in the New Testament. Five and six. But as one was felling a beam, now I'm in six, Second Kings 6, 5. As one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. <laughs> Isn't that about right? Borrowed, borrowed somebody's... And accident falls in the water. And, and the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in, in thither. And the iron did swim. It floated. Try to figure that one out. Try to figure that out. He cut a stick, threw it in the water. The iron axe head swam, come to the top. Makes no sense, does it? But we're not dealing with a God that deals in the same realm that our five senses deal into. We're dealing with a God that has an absolute different set of laws that govern the supernatural world than our flesh man knows anything about. And that is what you and I have to begin to entertain into our minds and understand. There are no limits with God when, it, when you're talking about operating into the supernatural world. There are some rules. And these rules have to be adhered unto. But when you walk out, out, out into this thing and you begin to take these basic rules. Now, what are the basic rules? You have to be, you have to be a child of God. Born again by the blood of Yeshua. Empowered by the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost. And have faith that you can call those things which be not as though they are. Now, that is taught throughout, throughout most of the New Testament in one way or another. And if you follow those rules and understand, those are the rules. That, 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 those, those are all the rules. And please, let's, let's don't get back into this thing, which I myself have used for years and years. Well, you know, but I'm not anointed to do that. We are all anointed to do that. The, the Lord God said, whosoever will. You, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't come down to whether God likes me more than He likes you. It doesn't come down to the fact that I'm a prophet and maybe you're not. It doesn't come down... What it comes down to is if you can believe all things are possible to him that believeth. That is what it comes down to. That's what makes this such an absolute uh, sure thing for us as believers. Because we know that. God's, and you want to know something else about God. And here's something I found out early on. I'm going to share this with you. I found out that God will not pass up an opportunity if you'll present it to him, okay? Now, when you see someone in need of a miracle, 
and you pray in the name of Yeshua, his holy son, and you speak to that, bind up the powers of darkness and loose the Holy Ghost, the Rahakadish upon it, you're now standing in a place for that person to receive a miracle from you. You're, 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 stand, you're there. You're, you couldn't be in a better place than you're in. Now, God has an opportunity. Now, listen close to this. Here you are, okay? <clears throat> well, I'm not sure. God's not really, you know, I mean, God's not really worked in me a lot. I, I, I mean, I, 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 and you know what? God's going to work that miracle, and I'll tell you why. Because we're all he has. Isn't that what I told you earlier? You're all he's got. If you're the one there at that point in time, right at the very apex of where that miracle needs to happen, and you're standing there, don't you think God is going to pass that up? Not for one second is he going to pass that up. He's going to bring that miracle not to make you look like God. He's going to bring that miracle to give you confidence that you can go down the road at the next appointed place that needs a miracle, and you can be there. I'm going to tell you what you'll get into. You'll get into being like people like me are. We look for opportunities. We look and holding meetings as great places for opportunities. Great places of opportunity. When we were in the meeting last week, a woman came in, 80-some years old, was blind and couldn't walk, and bless God, she was deaf. She left there hearing, she left seeing, and she was walking out of the place when she left. A possibility. There was a possibility for that woman to come in one way, to go out the other way. And she received that because of the fact, bless God, not that I was there, but the presence of God was there within me just as he is there within each of us as believers. Again, he is no respecter of persons. And that's just one of the many great things about him. Let's go to the 20th chapter of Second Kings. We're going to go back. We can't go through all of it. I, but I'm telling you, the book's full of it. Amen? It's absolutely full of it. 20th. Um, now, I'm going to tell some of this. It's about, it's about Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah went to Hezekiah and told him that first verse, Set thine house in order. Now I'm in Second Kings 20. It says, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Well, that's some real... There's a miracle for you being handed out by a prophet, isn't it? Well, that's the other side of the sword. And then, oh, Hezekiah, what did he do? He turned his face to the wall, and he began to weep and pray and seek God. And, 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 and bless God, uh, in the sixth verse, he says... Uh, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now, that went on, and then, he, then, then Hezekiah, in the eighth verse, said unto Isaiah the prophet, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me? And I shall go up into the house of the Lord the third day. Now, this, I do a thing on signs and wonders, and if you've never probably uh, gotten those tapes and studied them, you probably need to. I'm not even sure that we've addressed that and got them up on the web, but <clears throat> you need to study that because this was the norm of the day, okay? This was the norm. If you were a prophet, they were going to come, they always asked you, what will be the sign that this is going to take place? And, and so well, it all came down to the fact that um, as we go down through this, and Hezekiah answered, It is a light thing, the tenth verse, for the shadow to go down ten degrees, nay, but let the shadow return backward ten degrees. And, of course, we know that that happened exactly in that fashion and that way. Now, how does that happen? It's the miraculous. It's a, but you see, the realm of the miraculous is from one end to the other end of God's kingdom. It knows no limits. It knows no time. And that, 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 again, is why you and I have to be, uh, we have to invite, anyway, the thinking into our carnal minds that with God, it doesn't really make any difference whether it's the sun going backwards, the sun going forward, the sun, the blessed God standing still and not going down, period, whatever. It makes no difference. God is capable of doing that. Now, you, 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 you may ask yourself, well, again, this, these are prophets of God. These now listen closely. These men, this man, is shadows of things to come. That's what we're, this is all about. That's what all the works that I've ever done. It's a shadow of things that are about to come. About to come where? About to come to the people of God. 
about to come that they can work the works of God, that they can be the ones to work the works, that it's not in the hands of a few men, few women on the face of this earth as it has been for centuries and centuries and centuries. This thing is about, and if you will, it's about the bus solution. And, bless God, I'm going to tell you something. I'm thrilled to know that I'm here and I'm part of it. Let's, let's go to uh, Second Chronicles. Let's, let's get away from there and go to Second Chronicles, the fifth chapter. The fifth chapter of Second Chronicles. How am I doing on time? Well, boy, I'm doing good, then, aren't I? Second Chronicles, the fifth chapter, the 13th and 14th verses. It, it came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were, were as one, to make one sound heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets, the cymbals, the instruments, the music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God." Now, they, and, and, and this is important to understand again. This was an absolute manifestation of a miracle of God putting his stamp of approval, in this case, upon what was going on in the house of the Lord. Now, I have prophesied, and I uh, will continue to prophesy, that this day is going to return. Uh, there, the two things that I see that's going to happen is there is going to be uh, people that are going to uh, come together and that's the reason I need to really get after this thing about fasting. That's going to come fasted and prayed and going to come into services and the foundations are going to begin to shake where they're at. People are going to think the earthquakes are going on, all right, in the building. We're going to have times when the cloud is going to come in. What I have observed for three times over 30 years is going to get to be a place, and I, I, I don't want to say a commonplace, because then I'm, I, I, I think I'm wrong there. But it's going to come to a time when we're going to see that cloud appear, and we're going to see it more than just once or twice. We're going to see it done when we are doing something that's very important. You go back into the book of Acts, you'll find something out in that first chapter, that they were all in one accord in one place, praying the same thing, and they were believing the same thing and believing for the same thing. They had waited 50 days, which is the counting of the Omer, until the day until Pentecost. And that day had arrived, and, and during those times that they had been told by the Lord Yeshua himself that he was going to send unto them, the Rahakodesh was going to show up, was going to appear to them. And the fact of it is, uh, they did and he did. And that's exactly where we're at. We are entering in, we're entering into that time when we're going to come to that place where we know that the power of God is, is going to be invested, if you will, within the body. And then we're going to talk about corporate anointings. And there are such things as corporate anointings. And those are anointings when you get people that are like-minded, like-spirited, like-fasting, and like-prayer can bring the glory of God down and do it in a great big way. All right? And I believe that. And I, and I believe by the anointing that I carry from God that that is exactly where we are headed. But we're not going to get there with a bunch of lame brains sitting out there hoping that somebody else is going to carry them through this thing and all they got to do is just kind of slide in and get in and partake of all the, that's going on and not have to enter into the place of fasting and prayer. It's not going to work that way. It's not going to work that way at all. But we're, we're going to do some more uh, things and probably during that uh, seminar uh, be talking about uh, fasting uh, and prayer. We're going to be talking about some, about a corporate anointing if any way I can get it worked in. And if not, we'll make it a separate thing that we'll do and, and get it up on the net. But it's important again to understand that's where we're headed. We have to push ourselves into the supernatural world. There is another world out here and the world that you can't see into. You, you feel out here, you can't really feel into it, but it is there, and it is there tonight. In this room with us tonight, we have here tonight, we have angels, we have powers of darkness in this room tonight. We've bound up the powers of darkness, you don't move. Donna, we had that, the angel appeared in, in Phoenix, right? And there were people testified about all kind of things. That angel, we've had that, we've had that angel come in here a couple different times, 
and and uh, uh, you, you uh, people could have testified to it. But people testified there. Some of them actually said they saw the angel. Uh, some felt him, felt him as he went by, just as some of you have felt him go by. What are we doing? We are moving into the supernatural world. It's out there. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website, www.jewishprophet.com, and you can find out, again, all this material that you're hearing taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. We'll be praying for your prayer requests. Shalom. Until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible.